Welcome everybody to another episode of Am I Tripping? Shit's still fucked up out here. But this episode here might bring some people some motherfucking hope. I'm sticking to my guns. I still don't think this shit gonna jump. I see everybody, a lot of organizations and uh, teams starting to, you know, get back to training and all the things that they want to do besides baseball. I don't know. There ain't no telling how the baseball shit going to turn out. But just as is right now, it should look kind of fucked up. Now, I'm on record. If anybody don't heard any of the other uh, episodes on that, I don't believe they playing. I don't believe it's that serious. I love sports. I grew up playing sports all my life. And unlike my in-the-house Fortnite-playing-ass son, you know, well, both my boys, for real, I, my mission every day was to get outside. You know, uh, I played baseball, I played basketball, I played football. That shit went year-round for me. So, you know, I'm I, I'm a person that's a truly a, a, has been a fan and a, and a participant. So I've truly got love for all three of my sports that I grew up playing. But I ain't going to sit there and act like right now. It's a time to go risky. You know, I think things don't uh, get a lot worse with the Joy Floyd incident and some of the people that's out protesting. I mean, that COVID shit going to spread, man. I mean, yeah, some people got masks on. A lot of people don't. A lot of people don't. They say the shit on spiked 18 in 18 different states. Spiked. So those states is virtually in reach restart mode. Plus you got people who just got out of out of jail, well out the house. So now you don't pretty much, you know, have to pony up the nuts to tell them to go back in the house. And that ain't going to be easy, especially in June, July, and August. And, you know, it just ain't, that's not going to be an easy sale. You're going to get major pushback now. This ain't March, when it was still cold in the motherfucker, February, I mean, April. Still kind of chilly, but it was coming back. You know, May motherfuckers was pretty much like, fuck it. Now we in June. So... I don't know, man. I I see where Ohio State is literally trying to get their kids, and I don't understand how any of these kids' parents or anybody going for this shit. These kids ain't paid employees. You literally asking them to sign a fucking waiver to even go to practice? So goddamn it, so they won't be responsible for anybody that might get fucked up on the field. I mean, because of the COVID, I just 
that shit just didn't sound right to me. It don't sound right to me. And I'm going to continue my stance. I hope them young motherfuckers don't play no football. And if they do, I hope every last one of them young motherfuckers say, you're going to pay me. You're not going to play me this time. You're going to pay me, man, and keep your books and all that other bullshit. Because in the grand scheme of it, that shit, goddammit, is not, it ain't half the value I bring to you by putting on your jersey and your uniform and your helmet and taking your motherfucking king photos and all that shit for them high-ass motherfucking programs and calendars and all that bullshit y'all be selling. So fuck that. I pray them kids don't let them motherfuckers get that, get over on their ass again like this. But anyway, everybody acting like they really, you know, we going to go back to work. Everybody about to go back to it. NASCAR on jump back to it. Motherfucker on seeing a little golf. Motherfucker's talking about the uh, uh, soccer coming back and all that. And I'm like, okay. Okay. But I also seen where the NFL just had motherfucking volunteer uh, training camp. And your boy Ezekiel Elliott and a couple other motherfuckers on the Cowboys and the Texans and a couple other teams on already caught that thing. I've seen where a couple college kids that don't came back, you know what I'm saying, for volunteer workouts. They they ain't even brought in all the 100 motherfuckers that's going to be at, at, at a fucking college uh, workouts and tryouts and all that shit. And that ain't counting, what, 80, 90 motherfuckers in the NFL per team? There's no way this shit going to happen, man. I just don't see it. I do not see it, man. I do not see it. And the NFL, I mean, if Zeke catching this shit in June, shit, he ain't even scheduled to play in September. When this shit going to be goddamn pretty much back in full circulation by... By the end of September going into October for for another wave, another hit. I just don't see it, man. I don't see it. I don't see it. And then the young niggas in the NBA, anybody on her, any of the other podcasts, I've been saying, vehemently saying this. There's no way those young niggas about to go to the joint to go play no ball. I've been locked up. I man, I know what it is to go on the yard playing a little basketball tournament, and after the game, everybody goddamn go back to their motherfucking cells. Dude, that's pretty much what you' about to do. And then the only time you do hang out is when you all come out to the motherfucking goddamn it uh living area, maybe watch some TV, play some cars or some shit like that. That's how you think you' about to play some millionaire. NBA ball players, no pussy, just this routine, and you talking about for 90 days? Man, ain't no fucking way that shit jumping, man. Now, they say they going to goddamn be lax with the, you know, as far as smoking of the weed. No, nah, that the piss man ain't coming to town. You know what I'm saying? So I guess there's going to be plenty of motherfucking weed smoke or whatever shit. But, hey, shit, a motherfucker going to have to bring a pound or two. I'm... I'm just saying. Motherfucker gonna have to bring a pound. At least a pound. They young motherfuckers smoke more than me. 
And I know I'm I'm smoking uh every day. Man, this shit is not man, this shit about to be fucked up. This shit about to be fucked up and then the people that that's doing all the service all the service people, they coming in coming and going. They coming and going. And then that ain't counting that they gonna see the rest of their brothers out protesting. And all the other shit, man, these young niggas is not about to go. I don't see it, man. LBJ, my dude, I love him. That's my dog. You know what I'm saying? And I really think that, you know, him him and them Lakers got a chance, man. To me, it's not even so much on LeBron about their chance. It's really about Anthony Davis. In the grand scheme of it, it's going to, you know, uh, Paul... uh, not uh, Paul George, but uh, Kawhi Leonard, LeBron. I still, I think that's you know LeBron by edge, but not a big edge, but 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 by a slight edge by all the things that he do. When I'm talking about all the things, I'm talking about the rebounds and the assists and things like that. You know what I'm saying? All those things are very important to a team, and it's very especially important to that Lakers team. So you know, all just he'll have that slight nod. Because of everything that he do, but shit, the 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 next motherfucker matchup in that if it was to come down to the Clippers and the Lakers would be goddamn Anthony Davis and Paul George, and which one of these two motherfuckers is gonna be the hungriest of the two? And here go the kiddo part. I can't even tell you which one I would fuck with. I like AD. I've been liking AD, man. AD played for an AAU team down in uh, Chicago. I got a chance to meet the lady that runs the, A- the AAU program. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, I've already said I used to coach AAU basketball back in Dayton. We played in a tournament in uh, on the border of Indiana and Chicago where the lady was uh, – Having the tournament, that's where we was able to uh, t- meet and talk with each other. I can't really recall the lady's name right offhand. Very sweet lady. Had a very strong program. Anthony was, the, you know, the cream of their crop at that time. And uh, so I've been watching the kid play, man, since he had to be a, a sophomore in high school at that time. You know, maybe even a junior. You know, but the kid was nasty then. Watched him in, in, at, at UK, even nastier. You know, watched him in the league. The kid nasty, man. And the kid been nasty his whole trip, man. You know, Paul, I mean, I seen. I didn't really see a lot of uh, Paul at Fresno State. You know, uh, a lot of it's because, you know, with the, me living in the East and then him playing that, uh, living and playing off the West Coast, just the timing ain't always good as far as the games that you was watching on ESPN and some of the other outlets where you really wasn't catching a lot of Fresno State games or whatever. So Paul kind of snuck an end up on me. Uh, I kind of got more hip to him when he was playing on that team with Danny Grant, uh, uh, with the Pacers. Uh, I think Paul George was maybe one or two years away from really being the player that he that he could possibly really could be if he would have been able to play uh, two more years with Danny Granger. Because at that time, when he first got to that team, Danny Granger was 
who he was playing behind. And Danny Granger at the time was a hell of a ball player for the Pacers and, and very solid, very solid in all in all aspects. You know what I'm saying? And he was the type of guy that you could learn on how to, you know, to accept challenges and work within your teammates because Danny Granger, for as well and for as good as he was, he seemed like he was also a good team uh, ball player for the Pacers as well. He ended up getting fucked up, was for, was forced Paul George now to become, you know what I'm saying, you know, the uh, the de facto best player on that team, you know, even though he was virtually coming off the bench or, getting, you know, not really, you know, looked upon to be the superstar or on that star level that he was uh, eventually would have to take on and become playing on that team that he had. Gotta remember he still had Lance Stevenson. They still had big uh uh my big man from uh Georgetown. Uh, I can't think of his name right now in this shit. But you had big man from Georgetown. Uh I even think David if I'm not mistaken, wasn't David West still on that team? You know what I mean? That Pacer team was a pretty solid team, man. Pretty solid team, man, and uh, Paul George was able to, you know, do what he can with that team. Now to bring it all the way back, so I don't just get the drifting off and shit. Uh, what I was, what I mean by judging the next two ball players is which one of the next two best ball players would be the homies, Paul George, or Anthony Davis. Both are known for being defensive ball players. Both goddamn got. 30, 30 plus in their arsenal if it comes down to putting points on the board. You know, I like, I, I mean, my thinking is this. I watched Paul George last couple years, and for all that reputation that he's garnered uh, as being a defensive guy, I've seen him get his ass toe up the last couple years, man. And I don't really know how much of a defensive guy he really is. I mean, if I see it three te- three years in a row, I got to look at it as all hype. Cause I'm looking at it right now as hype, you know, but it's not, you know, proven at a distance for a long period of time uh, as, you know, to be true. At least let me say that to be true. But two years, I mean, three years ago, man, I watched a young kid, Donovan Mitchell in Utah, man, tear him and Russell a new asshole, man. Uh, and they was playing with the uh, uh, with the kid that was down there playing with uh, Phoenix right now, Rubio, Ricky Rubio. Donovan Mitchell and Ricky Rubio outplayed uh, uh, Russell and motherfucking uh, Paul George. And for both of them boys to be considered, you know, two top ten ball players in the league, y'all don't post to lose in the first round. They lost in the first round to Utah and a young Donovan Mitchell. And if you watch the series, Russell could do nothing with him. Paul George was assigned to him, could do nothing with him. And that was the kid's rookie year, his first time in the playoffs. Busting Paul George's ass. Last year, last year, I watched C.J. McCollum tear uh, him and Dane Lillard. 
they tore him and Russell a new asshole, boy. They busted their ass, man. They busted their ass, man, and it was CJ. Don't get me wrong. Dane had a couple big games, you know what I'm saying, but, you know, he wasn't ready. He really couldn't just, you know, assert, you know, his, his will like he really truly wanted to maybe on Russell like he – you know, like he was able to do maybe in a couple of the other rounds as the, uh, as the playoffs went on a little bit farther, you know. But CJ in that first round, that was Paul George's man. Go look at his numbers, man. Go look at his numbers, man. I, I, I know the kid had to average damn near 25 a game against Paul. And... My thing is this, if you're considered a defensive stopper, man, if a guy going to the motherfucker coming out the regular season averaging 20 to 22, you can't let him get in the motherfucker. A defensive stopper brings that and them numbers down to 18 or a hard 20 on 20 shots type shit. Not the way CJ did it. Not the way Dane was able to do it. And Paul George is supposed to be renowned as a wing player, so he's supposed to be able to check one through three. Pretty versatile. You know, pretty, you know, interchangeable. Pretty easy. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it the last couple of years. So, I'm not buying none of this PG, uh, playoff P, and none of that old bullshit, and Paul George, the defensive stopper and all that. I'm not buying that. I'm not buying that at all. I've seen him get his ass busted two times in a row, man. And I think if if they uh, look, if it, uh, the Clippers lose in the first round, even in the second round, and the person that's giving him the work is a motherfucking shooting guard or somebody that he should be able to slow down, I just don't think that we can call consider him an elite defender no more. I mean, because for the last couple of years, man, not only has he goddamn been able to pass at, to the public as an elite defender, he's been able to goddamn sign them up on contracts as considered a two-way ball player, two-way guy. I ain't seeing the two-way in the playoffs, man. I ain't seeing it in the playoffs. You know, I'm not seeing it in the playoffs, man. And so that's what my wonder is about Paul George. My wonder about Anthony Davis is a little bit different. Anthony Davis, man, I mean, he got to the playoffs. And with Rondo and uh, who was that? Who else did he have uh, that they was running with? Uh, they had Big Boogie at first. But with Rondo and, and Drew Holiday, you know, they were able to get, you know what I'm saying, some shit out that team. And Anthony Davis was able to lead the way. And he didn't shrink. I didn't see no droppies in none of his games, none of the series. And even when they end up getting bounced, his his performance was solid. His performance was steady. You can see where he was a, a, a prime contributor. Now, it's kind of up in the air because he didn't really have no expectations. There really was no expectations for them to win. Bro, you're on the number one. You're on the uh, the team that leads the West, and you were LeBron James, and he got he got uh, a chance to win four goddamn championships, and you got a chance to win your first. 
are you hungry enough? I question that because I didn't understand why he wasn't hungry enough to beat the Clippers or take that game from the Clippers in game one. You know, they they uh, the first game of the season did, uh, in this pri- this uh, previous season. Dude, it's the game with two points in the fourth quarter. Dude, that's what you're here for. Now's your time. They they don't have anybody that can really check you. Why are you not dominating them? Are you really going to let Montrez Hero be more active than you and really outplay you just by, I mean, he's outplaying you based on activity, not not really on skill. He's just being more active than you. So I didn't see I didn't see how hungry he was in that first game. I didn't see how hungry he was in the Christmas game. I mean, he, he, he did what he did because based on his skill level. AD super skilled. Anthony Davis super skilled. Ain't no doubt about that. But fourth quarter came. They up by seven. Three and three, three about close four minutes left or some shit like that. It, it ain't it ain't about LeBron taking you home now. It's about you. It's about you taking him home. It's about you taking him home. Anybody that watched the series against Golden State, if you didn't notice the times when Kyrie got them to grab the keys and said, LeBron, get in the car on the passenger side this time, my nigga. I'm driving. I'm driving. I got it. And he proved it. 41-point games, 39-point games, big shot in game seven. All of that's him saying, dude, you have done everything that you possibly can do for our team. Now, let me be your teammate. Let me help you get get over the hump. Same with Ray Allen when he was done in in Miami. Chris Bosh. LeBron scored 19 points before he shot that air ball that Chris Bosh got and passed to Ray Allen before they can uh, end up, uh, you know, winning that game and, you know, getting to game seven. They had already brought the champagne now for goddamn uh the Spurs. But LeBron needed another teammate to help pull him through. That's my question with Anthony Davis now. Are you the teammate that will be strong enough to help LeBron to pull help pull LeBron through? Because Michael Jordan, regardless of how people want to, you know, slate it or state it you know, how great Mike was, because Michael Jordan was, and anybody know me, know I ain't no Michael Jordan loving motherfucker, so I won't be on here sucking his dick, won't be none of that, so, you know, Michael Jordan's a bad motherfucker, and the thing that made him the most deadly is the trust that he still had in his teammates at the most crucialist times. For anybody to think Mike took all the game-winning shots and never passed to his teammates or some shit like that, you tripping. Michael Jordan made the right play as well. And the white play a lot of times was... How you doing? Was to pass the ball off to his teammates. So it's just interesting to see, you know, how people take that because... I didn't. I haven't. I didn't see Anthony Davis in that Christmas game really take full control of that game and 
get the Lakers over the hump. Now, he did it the last game that they played. He played very inspired. I mean, he really helped get LeBron and the Lakers over the hump that game. And that also lets me know that his confidence should be built up a little bit after going against his team for the three times in a row. Nay time have they actually slowed him down. He's pretty much slowed himself down. So it's going to be interesting to see if, he, you know, what's his approach to uh, in this playoffs, in this bubble, you know, underneath these core teams. Will he be hungry enough to actually help take the title? Because it's not going. He, he's not going to win it if he think he can just rely on LeBron to get him there. It won't happen that way. Anthony Davis is going to have to be a willing and an active participant in winning this championship for the Lakers if they want to win it. There's just no two ways around it. And now we get to to the saddest part of it. The saddest shit of all right now. Out of all of the major sports organizations is the baseball shit. The baseball shit the saddest. Baseball shit the saddest. I mean, I'm old enough to remember when baseball went on their strike and came back. And it was at the point where ratings were suffering so bad that, you know, they was... I mean, the only back then, one of the most exciting things about baseball, the same thing that's exciting about baseball to this day, and it's the home run. So when they came back, a lot of their fans didn't really want to, you know, support that, support them, you know, walking away, going being on strike and stuff like that. So they had to, you know, regain their fans, and part of regaining their fans were putting some excitement back into the game. And part of them putting some excitement in the game was allowing guys that they pretty much had an idea or pretty much knew were using steroids to use steroids, but not only use steroids, but use them in a fashion that they became famous. And they actually were able to elevate the game. So what would baseball be able to do this time? I mean, they vilified every last one of those guys that participated in that era, from the pitchers all the way down to the hitters. I mean, if if you take a vote, a lot of people think that that's considered now the worst era in baseball, the steroid era. I'm telling you, when baseball get, first got back, the steroid thing and the home run thing, I mean, they even had pitchers hitting fucking home runs, man. I mean... They, they all participated in the same shit. I just don't see what kind of gimmick or what type of little fucking trick they're going to be able to come up with to get the fans back this time. Because they definitely not playing. they supposed to be playing baseball now. And they talking about not even starting baseball back until sometime in July, maybe even August. That's not even baseball, man. That's That's a softball season. That ain't no fucking baseball season, man. I mean, they they don't they don't fucked it up. They don't fucked it up, and a lot of it is you know based on the fact that the players don't trust the owners. The owners don't trust the players, you know, and uh, the owners don't. I mean, the players don't really 
I mean, if you look at the first, really shouldn't trust the owners, man. I mean, it's kind of hard for me to believe that in 162 games of parking, I mean, you get what, 87 games of parking, concessions, and all the things that you're selling at the memorabilia shops and everything else that you got going on. It's kind of hard for me to believe that you've been collecting this money for so long that you can't afford to go without one season. Y'all been collecting that money for way too long. And you go out your way to make sure you don't overpay nobody but the biggest stars. And you lock them guys into 10-year deals and shit like that. So baseball owners got plenty of money. But I also think that they smart by not opening up their books for people to get a chance to see really what they got and how they got it and how they doing it. And I think, you know, if you listen to Tony Clark, that's the only thing that will satisfy the players, man, because they're not listening to you claim that you broke or claiming that you poor right now. They're just not believing it. They're not believing it at all, and I don't even doubt them for that. Now, I mean, it's kind of hard, you know, to – See where the owners don't built up such a trust with the players that they should be able to just take whatever come out their mouth anyway. They shouldn't. I mean, you got to remember, the owners going to watch these games in a, in a penthouse suite, you know, one of the most suites they got up there at the stadium. The players got to be the one that's going to take the immediate uh, the chance. So, I just, you know, for them not to get their money, I mean, it's just kind of hard to say, man. I just don't see where that's baseball going nowhere. I've been hearing everybody saying, you know, it's getting down to the moment. It's getting down to that moment. It's getting down to the moment. Shit, it's been down to that moment. And they still ain't bugs. Baseball unions like the UAW, man, they are on clap, man. They, they, they sit strong for a reason. They sit as established, been established with that strength for a long time for a reason. So the owners know that this shit ain't going nowhere. They know deep down that this shit ain't going nowhere, you know, because they're not going to open up their books and them young baseball players ain't going to set no more less than what they on already, you know, on already made a deal on. They on already agreed on a uh Salary reduction, You, I mean, you want them to go back and reduce their salary twice. Not once, but twice. Nah, them young motherfuckers ain't about to do that. They ain't about to do that. They ain't about to do that. And you can't show them how much money that you lose. Are you just telling them that you're losing money? Nah. Nah. That should have worked if, if they didn't believe that you were billionaires. They, them young guys know that you, these baseball uh, owners is billionaires. They ain't trying to hear that shit. They ain't trying to hear that. And they they not wrong for that either. I mean, because you got some people, man, that's got loved ones and, and their own personal health, you know, on the line with this, man. So... I can never tell nobody what the value of their life should be and what the value of their loved one's life should be. And I don't think baseball should be telling them that either. So, 
I mean, you know, the baseball shit is like by far the the strangest of all of the shits. Cause it's kind of hard to see where that's going. Kind of hard to see where that's going. Uh, I was listening to a Rob Manfred uh talk on Mike the uh on Get Up earlier, and uh, I guess he had sat down with Greeny uh the night before, and they were talking about the situation or whatever, and he just literally did a, a four three sixty man. I mean, a week prior, he was saying that he was 100% sure that it was going to be baseball. He didn't say that shit last night. Last night, he said, you know, flat out his words, he is very, very skeptical that there will be a season this year. He just don't see it. He said that the the the, the trust issue, you know, uh, with the players' union and the owners is just not there. And he kind of shifted the blame towards the players uh, as far as, you know, um, trying to, you know, negotiate in bad faith. But now you listen to Tony Clark. And the boy uh, play up here uh, for the Cincinnati Reds, Trevor Bauer, they saying baseball been, you know, trying to negotiate this shit in bad faith and been trying to keep everything in the media so everybody can, they can garner media support, you know, of all uh, just those greedy ball players wanting, wanting to be greedy again and this, 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 and that. And I don't think they're going to allow them guys to spend the message this time. You know, one thing about these messages nowadays, you know, it's kind of hard to, you know, if you didn't hear the original message being delivered, it's kind of hard once you hear it coming from different sources because it's kind of hard to see who going to put the spin on the message or not. Are you getting the direct message or are you getting somebody else's, you know, interpretation of that message? And their interpretation of that message might not even be close to where the message was even centered at. So, I don't know, man. The baseball shit don't look good at all. Baseball shit don't look good at all. And then, I was, uh, this week, man, there have been a lot of coaches getting caught up. This coach is getting caught up in all types of shit. Uh, Dabo and Clemson, he getting caught. He got caught up in some bullshit. The strength coach at uh, Iowa, they don't canned him. They literally fired this man. He was making nine hundred thousand a year. He's sick. He gotta be sick. But all that racist shit, it, it'll catch up with you, man. And. Now's the time where people are, you know, feeling, you know, a lot more open to telling the truth on some of these races. And once the truth came out, it, you know, one thing about Kurt France, he don't been that uh, hour way too long. It was either him or, or the strength coach. He don't win at him another strength coach. He don't give a fuck about the strength coach. Kurt France been an hour way too long, and, and his legacy there is already established, man. So... You know, he came there directly at the Hayden Fry, man. He been there. He been there. He wasn't about to fuck that up for the strength coach, man. He wasn't about to fuck that up for the strength coach. So, you know, you got that situation. 
And then you got the old school Gundy down here at Oklahoma State, man. I don't know what he was thinking about. I guess he thought that that little shirt that he had on, that his ball players, since it's so much centered at, you know, Trump's side of, uh, and, and people that support Trump's views of the news, I guess he didn't think that his ball players would catch wind and actually know what the OAN network stand for. You know, and, uh, man, I mean, his star running back called him out on it. And then next thing you know, just here come the, here come the, the water, here come the rain. And you just start getting rain of complaints and people, you know what I'm saying, having issues and issues and issues. And don't get me wrong, uh, that's T.D., uh, C.K. Pickens, uh, pick that boy Gundy so you know he gonna be there at Oklahoma State it's gonna take a lot to get you know Pickens pick about that head coaching spot man like I say that stadium is named at the Pickens and that's that's who he chose as the coach before he passed away so Mike Gundy got a lot of leverage at Oklahoma State man but dude been like He's been doing little shit for the last maybe eight to ten years. But even when he was like, I'm 40, I'm a man. When he was end up, you know, when it all came out, he was end up uh, fucking over the little young kid quarterback that he had at the time. You know, it was just, I don't know, man. It just, it's at that point, man, where you're seeing so many other people getting far for less getting far for less and you know don't get me wrong he rushed out and made that video whatever the fuck happened he he brought a, a cease to it as quick as he could he went out and got that video of him and uh chuba hubbard's the kid's name him and uh chuba was sat down and uh he chopped it up with him fast because four hours later he was on the video shaking hands now, I didn't agree with what the kid had said. The kid that came on and said that he apologized because he had tweeted his feelings about the coach wearing that shirt. And he felt like he could have, he should have said it to him face to face. I don't know if that's something that he really should have apologized for because that's what these youngsters is doing. Every. They put that shit on the social media. They put that on the Twitter now. So he just tweeted out his feelings. And, I mean, it, if he ain't wrong for tweeting out the rest of the feelings that he got on his Twitter page, what's so wrong about tweeting out what he felt about what he seen when he seen his coach in that shirt that he felt offended by? So I don't, I don't believe that the kids should have ever apologized. Gundy, on the other hand, he knew he knew where he was wrong at. Mike Gundy used to be the quarterback on the same team, Oklahoma State team, that Thurman Thomas was on. I mean, he don't play with black quarter. I mean, black players, and where the black player was the star. You know, and so Mike Gundy know better than that, man. He don't. He he, he know where he is is. Sensitivity uh, uh, should be at, uh, especially during these times, man. 
He know where his sensitivity should be at. So I didn't understand how he even got caught up like that. But he ended up getting caught up like that. And it's just been a rough week, man, for some of these coaches, man. They, you know, that, that underlying racial tone that they've been hiding for a long time, people calling them out for it now. You know, they're calling them out for it. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see where sports go now. You know, because I was growing up. You've seen and heard a lot of those type of things, but a lot of guys didn't have the, the freedom or the the nuts to really to, to call their coaches out and be able to call their coaches out in a, with a platform where they can get support. You know, they didn't have to worry about the only people that they had to worry about supporting them was the guys on the team. These guys got these uh, followers and shit like that. I mean, you put out the right tweet, man, and you're garnering a whole bunch of followers that's yours and somebody else's. I mean, that Twitter world and this Internet shit, man, it's hard to hide now. It's just hard to hide. So it's going to be interesting to see how these coaches deal with that this year, man, and and as they go along. Because these kids is calling them out, man, for they – those underlying racial tones that they've been having. And I ain't saying that they, you know, haven't been having them. They've been having them. Now it's just the time that they being called out for them. So 2020, man, it's, it's a lot of shit jumping off out here, man. Ain't no sports, but a lot of things that's going on in the, in the world is being viewed throughout sports you know, atmosphere and through the scope of sports, man. And I don't think that's always the greatest thing. I don't think athletes should be in charge of leading our country or anything like that. I think they should be like other citizens, able to, you know, choose who they think who the best leaders should be and then back them and endorse them or whatever. But I don't think that LeBron should be the number one head activist and all that you know, for change and stuff like that. To me, that should be a senator. That should be a governor. That should be somebody of influence for real trying to push, make those changes. Not an athlete. But I am glad that we got athletes that take that mantle, take that challenge, and do something with it. I am glad to say that because we definitely need it. We definitely need it. If we all want to be fair to each other, we need it. If you don't want to be fair, you feel comfortable in your own bubble, you know, seeing the world the way you see it, then so be it. We all, you know, we all different as well. But if you got a decent social conscience about yourself, you, it's kind of hard to see what you've been seeing, what you've been hearing, and not feel a certain kind of way. And these kids of 2020 letting you know, that you can't hide and be a racist no more. They calling you out for it. So, times don't change. Hopefully for the better. Well, thank you again, everybody, for listening to another episode of Am I Tripping? Uh, hope everybody continue to stay safe. God bless you and your family. Peace.